going on, boys and girls? Welcome to yet another episode of Two and a Half Gringos, aka Pittsburgh Baseball Now's very own podcast. As always, I got to introduce my two co-hosts with me, Anthony Big Bear Murphy and Nola Jeffy. What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on? Just hanging out, trying to think of uh, Murph's punishment. Oh yeah, I, I can. Th- I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil anything for what I'm working on next week. But I think I put myself through enough punishment already. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but guys, honestly, got- I, I think I might have yeah. thought of a good punishment. Yeah. Pittsburgh pierogi thing you guys are talking about. Yeah, I like that idea. Earlier, no, no. I like that idea. I think I've made it clear on here before. Like, I don't do running unless we're like zombie apocalypse is full on. A a brisk, a brisk jog, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I tell you what. I'll just say if you want Saul to get a win, then yes, put me in there, and then I can guarantee you he won't finish last every time. I mean, I I was honestly going to make it kind of. I mean, I was going to be kind of nice about it and just say your punishment should be that you have to add audio to your YouTube videos. <laughs> that would be punishment because the process of actually putting, getting audio on them, that is a pain. I'll let you, I'll let you edit one of the videos with, with audio on it and you'll never ask for me for it again. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. We'll, we'll think of a punishment as we continue on the episode here, but we got to introduce uh, someone else to the podcast, kind of a guest host kind of deal. Um, he's quite boisterous in P2's comments and he, he's very opinionated. Uh, NMR, what's going on, buddy? Can you just say your name, actual name? Welcome, gents. Welcome. My name is Nick. I've been uh, uh, a longtime commenter, first time talker, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, the sickness um, goes back to old Smize's blog and, and DK when he was with the Trib and, uh, and pick it up with Tim at P2 and, in the old Charlie Wilmoth uh, uh, Bucks dugout days, and so uh, I, I remember those. This I is the, those. Uh, the new gen, and uh, I guess I'm the old fuck with the uh, bald head that's uh, coming <laughs> in and, and trying to keep up with the kids. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, whoa. Yeah. Off the air, we kind of joke that if Nola ever is uh, down and out, we can definitely bring on Nick as like, we, we uh, found our standing because he looks exactly <laughs> like Nola in certain aspects. <laughs> We can just say he trimmed the beard up a little bit, you know, try to look no. fresh. Another bald-headed beauty. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, we got to bring Juju on so that way we can even out this ratio of gringos going on right now. I feel bad for <laughs> left Mark. out here. Yeah. yeah. We, we need another, really uh, left out. We need, another, <laughs> we need another half breed. <laughs> <laughs> but, guys, let's, let's get into, uh, you know, the meat of the conversation here and Kind of the snafu that happened with uh, Pirates Twitter was the steamer projections. And I think uh, guys were coming out and saying the Pirates are going to win 83 or 84 games or something to that nature. And, you know, you looked at the numbers and it was like, oh, they also have them losing, what, 93 or 94? Unless they're adding a shit ton more games, something doesn't add up here. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there were actual people who came out and did the research. Shout out to Bucko Blog for kind of writing the ship um wanted to give him a shout out and he kind of gave um a little rundown and gave the link to the fan graph projections which is something i'd like to get into um and just looking at the pitchers <clears throat> excuse me uh standpoint Rowanzi Contreras leads um the pirates pitching staff so far in terms of projections with a 1.9 war 
And they also have him at a 4.31 ERA or 4.24 FIP. Um, now, is now do you guys see Rowanzi kind of leading the charge, or do you see a guy like Mitch Keller who is starting to get more buzz again as we saw the tread athletics videos coming out again and his sinker is actually looking pretty nasty just from videos and bullpens of course it's not live but I don't know can Mitch kind of take the reins here and become that leader that the Pirates desperately need on the pitching staff Murph I'll let you uh take away with it and we'll go down the list um I I kind of I I feel like this year for the team to have any kind of success and push anywhere near like that, that 80 win mark that, you know, quote unquote, we're they're projected at. I think, I think you're going to kind of need uh, Mitch to be that guy to kind of lead the pace. I mean, Rowanzi's probably the most talented guy on that rotation, but like, I think, I think we do have to remember that this is just going to be a second year in, in the majors. So I would probably still expect maybe some growing pains uh, along the way. I think overall, if, he's able to take the necessary steps it wouldn't surprise me if, if he kind of leaves the charger or, or whatnot but I think if they want to have any kind of success it'll probably be because Mitch really took it to to the next level yeah and you also have to think that this will be Rowanzi's first full year in the majors mm-hmm. he's not going to mm-hmm. get that train from Indy to uh, the majors anymore unless something happens and he has a rehab stint but I, he's pretty much in Pittsburgh to stay he's not going to get optioned anymore unless something catastrophic happens so that would be interesting to uh to see but um i'm going to toss it over to to nick here and i kind of want to get your thoughts on you know can mitch keller lead this pitching staff or maybe rich hill can lead the pitching staff or what what's it looking like to you man so this one's interesting to me because it's it leads me to a place that i typically hate and that's talk of a six-man rotation. I know we're talking about Ronzi and we're talking about Mitch, and we'll get to it, but I, I don't know that I could separate probably one through four at least right now, at least right now. I think Mitch can be the workhorse. I think he's got the body, he's got the arm to be a 30-start, 180-inning dude. I don't know that I see him pushing that four-fifth mark, though. Uh, and I don't know if I can really be strong on calling a guy a, a, a rotation leader if he's not getting into the threes there. So I see like three, four, three, two, three war uh, starters coming in and a lot of opportunity still left around. Uh, and I don't know that I see any any standout that I'm worried about taking starts away from. And so is this we're still trying to get into this win cycle right now? I think there's plenty of opportunity to get starts to some lesser known arms and figure out what the hell's going on with uh, Velasquez and, and some of the other newbies. Yeah. We're going to definitely see that in the beginning of this season. And uh, you haven't, I don't know if you've listened to the show uh, much, but uh, it's going to be a lot of Cody pitchers. And and what that Mm. means is guys who pitch about three innings, maybe four starters and, Mm. you know, get to the bullpen. And that's my favorite type of uh, rotation there. If it was up to um, Cody, we'd start in the fifth inning of every game. Yeah, th- there is no <laughs> five-inning starters ever in my play. No. None. Bad. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. But, yeah, we're going to see a lot of um, switching and see just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks, basically, at this point. 
My, my biggest concern about Ronzi is, uh, and I'll, I'll butcher the name, I'm sure. I mean, I'm, look at my complexion. I'm not going to be good with the, the Latin names here. But, uh, you know, we saw he, he's, he's not a big dude. He generates a lot of power out of a little frame. We saw the stuff slip a little bit towards the end of the year, if you ask me. And I don't know if that's going to be something that we're going to get away from. Now, he's pumping 96 and 97 to start. And so it's still playable by all means. But uh, I, I just don't know if I if I, uh, I I'll, I'll be honest, I, you know, we're in an era in the game right now where I look at dudes shoving in the minors and just can't fathom how anybody makes contact with anything. Uh, and then we get them into the bigs, not just the Buccos, but across the league and and, and shit gets wild. So, um, you know, I, I thought he'd miss a lot more bats than he did. I thought he'd hold up a little bit, a little bit better. I, I'd give the, give the nod to Mitch, but I really see a pretty even, even uh, rotation there of threes and fours uh, at peak. Nick, I mean, Nola, I can't, I, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you're the other one. I need a nickname. You gotta give me a nickname. <laughs> Nola, do you want to, uh, you know, chime in here and give your thoughts on, you know, the whole projections and Rowanzi, Mitch, and the whole rotation in general? Yeah, well, and one of the things I um, was just thinking on actually with Mitch Keller is, and it was kind of surprising because I think someone mentioned on the post earlier today or yesterday just about the fact that, like, Mitch Keller, like, he's still only 26 years old. It's crazy. And I know. And I think he has the potential to at least get to where he was last year. And I think now that he he is in his own sense, you know, a veteran of Major League Baseball. So I think he has a better idea of where he needs to be and what he needs to do to have success game in and game out. And then additionally, I know this was something I was touched on before uh, with uh, bringing in Rich Hill. I mean, 43-year-old dude who's seen every ups and downs. And I remember I uh, something I linked in one article was about how he was pretty heavily influenced to Walker Bueller and then and, and Walker Bueller yeah. seeing the next step in his career because you have someone that, again, has been through every ups and downs, knows how to treat his body. I mean, he's 43 years old and still pitching at a pretty competent level still doing it and he's gonna help brew baker who's had injury history keller's had his ups and downs Contreras, you know nick talking about his body size someone like rich hill even if not the same body size is gonna you know have a good idea of be like hey you know before a game do this after a game treat your body this way do this on your off days like i think that is one area where having the veteran presence is really going to help these younger pitchers mm-hmm. find their chi and be able to bring out the best game every game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, he could also throw 84 like Rich Hill, just save your arm that way. You know, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep them on their toes and throw that van meter fastball. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that's kind of an interesting tidbit on on Hill on, you know, teaching guys and finding their chi. But, you know, Rowanzi has a good slider, I, I would say. I mean, we can all agree that Rowanzi has a very good slider. And we also saw him try to incorporate a curveball in there every once in a while. And I'm, I don't have the numbers with me, but I'm pretty sure it got hammered. Do, do you think he could learn from a guy like Hill who has a pretty damn good curveball even at the age of 43? You know, he could teach him those things. I, I know it's only for a year and he's probably not going to be here next year, maybe in the middle of the season. 
but you know you can leave those lasting impressions on a young guy and i don't know it's it's maybe it's a pipe dream i don't know but there's definitely things there that i could see happening especially the one issue i i guess i could see with that is not even necessarily to do with rich hill or Contreras. More so that because uh, Fangrass actually had an article the other day talking about curveballs in general and just how pretty much curveballs are being essentially phased out because unless they're like 86 miles an hour with 15 inches of movement, you're uh-huh. going to get hammered. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like you have to have a plus plus curveball or it's going to get hammered. Yeah. Yeah. Why Quinn, yeah. It's why Quinn Priester is, is not, isn't getting the love anymore. You know, it's and we'll talk about him later on, but it's the – that's just where we're at. It's crazy, but those big benders just they're seen out of the hand and, and it's tough. Sinkers. More sinkers. Uh, where have you gone, <laughs> Racier? The Racier Redemption Tour coming back. <laughs> I told you, you, I've never seen Oscar Marine and Racier in the same place at the same time. <laughs> so you will not convince me that uh, Oscar Marine is just not Racier in an Oscar <laughs> Marine mask. At this We're going to have that Scooby Doo moment where they rip. The Absolutely. Off. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now let's uh, move on to the batting projections, and obviously Brian Reynolds leads uh, the Pirates in terms of WAR with a four key rate right there at three. O'Neill at three point seven. Now we we've probably talked about Brian Reynolds ad nauseum at this point. Everyone has their opinions. Who's getting traded? Is he going to the Yankees? Is he going here? Do you think that plays into effect that? maybe Reynolds doesn't have that four five, six war season. Do you think that's going to be on his mind constantly? Or do you think that there's going to be some kind of professionalism in it where he just blocks it out? Because being in the clubhouse with Reynolds, he's very quiet, very keeps to himself. So I don't, I can't really get a gauge on how the guy is. You really can't. He's, he's quiet as hell. So I have, I don't know where to go with this. I'm hoping and assuming that he puts that aside and puts together a decent season if not uh, an all-star caliber level season but there's doubts in my mind and Murph I don't know how you feel about it but that's that's where I'm in I'm at with Reynolds I, I I think I think sometimes those kind of concerns are warranted because you know it, it can be a distraction especially on a losing team they start losing then all of a sudden that's the only thing that's brought up to no matter who you're talking to you could be talking to the eighth guy in the bullpen or whatever like that. And they want to know what their thoughts of Brian Reynolds is and stuff like that. But also you got to remember what he's playing for too. And long-term he's playing for a paycheck. So he's going to go out there and and be about his business because he knows if he comes up out here and and packs it in, then like all this talk about the $50 million apart or, or, you know, all that kind of stuff that all goes out the window. If he comes out here and, and starts struggling again, uh, or just struggling so I, I don't I wouldn't think we have to be concerned about it um I know I'm not going to be concerned about it like I'm kind of at the point just let it play out it'll happen Reynolds seems like one of those professional professional guys that yes if that's what was asked for and he asked out and you know he wants to be traded and whatnot he he realizes that he's still going to have to perform on the field to be able to for a team to go out and make the kind of move necessary to bring them in knowing that they're going to have to pay him too eventually yeah yeah and and we talked about this in the group chat was it yesterday or the day before of how there's such a 
fucking log jam in the outfield in the minors and even at the professional level or the major league level, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that roster resources jam packed. Yeah, there's so many names. Yeah. It, it had like they're, 10 names in triple A and like six <laughs> names in double A. They, they're going to be some, they, maybe not to like the, the common fan, but I'm pretty sure like the four of us here are going to see some names that get cut that are going to be, wow, I can't believe that that guy got cut. Because it's, it's like that right now. So a, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, someone like Lolo Sanchez might have, Lolo Sanchez, Macias. I'm surprised they brought him back like, with how. Yeah. It is. Like he had the perfect opportunity to go somewhere else and, 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 and sign, but they brought him back. So mm-hmm. maybe he's getting the Velade treatment. <laughs> they got something special <laughs> in for that guy. <laughs> but yeah, the, the outfield is completely stacked with names upon names mm-hmm. upon names upon names. And, you know, maybe moving, I, I hate saying moving Reynolds is the best option, but he's not going to, I don't see him signing here. Big level mm-hmm. contract. It, I know Mackie went on the fan and said that the pirates are going to spend money in 24, but spending money for the pirates, as opposed to spending money for guys like the Yankees and, and the Red Sox and the Braves and so on and so forth. It, it just doesn't match. So Reynolds is going to be gone. So you might as well get something for him. That's kind of where I'm at with it. We're going to move on. No more Reynolds talk. Let's get into. Well, uh, well, and the one thing I was just going to yeah. actually say too, with regards to Reynolds with the whole, is he going to be a, like, I guess, quote, uh, quote unquote, in how clubhouse issue. I don't think Reynolds is going to be, if anything, I think where it'll get annoying is other players getting sick of being asked about it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it causes an issue, I, I think that's where the issue would become is people are like, can you just stop asking me? Like I'm sick of hearing this question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they kind of soften that blow with adding Kutch and reports yeah. are definitely going to flood towards McCutcheon, at least in the beginning of the season. And maybe they stray away from the Reynolds question, but I'm sure it's going to creep back as soon as the all-star break hits and the deadline hits and so on and so forth. Um, Nick, did you have anything to add with the Reynolds talk before we move on? You guys are good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not touching this one. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. I I totally understand, man. Um, You know, let's get into a little bit of O'Neal Cruz talking about a 3.7 war they're figuring um, the guy can tear the cover off the ball. We know that uh, there's lots of questions uh, in the field. Um, we've seen him throw the ball 96 miles an hour across the diamond, but we've also seen some what the hell happened kind of plays. So um, obviously he's going to stick at shortstop. Ben Charrington has said this. O'Neill Cruz seems to want to stay there, but I am still a fan of moving him to the outfield. But then again, the outfield jam comes into play as well. So, I don't know. Where, where do we see Cruz uh, in terms of another season in the big leagues? You know, he's not going to go down to AAA and learn how to bunt or uh, pinch it, <laughs> quote unquote. So, you know, this is his first full season in the majors, I, I would assume, unless something catastrophic happens. So are we going to see that continuous ebb and flow of bad play and good play? Or are we going to see Cruz kind of get more consistent? I'm of the belief that we're going to see ups and downs with Cruz always. I think Cruz is a big play or no play kind of guy. I don't think there's going to be any, any in between with him. Big boomer bust type of person. 
So that's where I'm at with it. I'll let you three fight for who's going to go first on the O'Neill Cruz discussion. <laughs> I'll let, I'll let Nick go and start on that because. Well, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I, I, I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll take this approach. You know, if, if we're going to call O'Neill Cruz a shortstop, I'm not going to debate that. What I, what I think is interesting about that, most interesting is as a policy decision, this opens up a whole bunch of options across the organization. If you call O'Neill Cruz a shortstop, there's not many players, not many prospects anymore, you can re- rationally argue should be moved off their primary position. I, what, what, what argument is there that Termar Johnson should be moved off shortstop at this point? If O'Neill Cruz can play shortstop, there's a whole bunch of other p- p- positions that can be played by Brian Reynolds in center field, Termar Johnson at shortstop. Up and down the list, hell, Henry Davis at catcher. Henry Davis, the catcher, could probably catch like O'Neill Cruz can play shortstop. So it really kind of <laughs> changes things up quite a bit on how we're talking about playing a position. Uh, as far as offense, I'll, I'll be honest. I, you know what he did at the end of the season, you can't sleep on that. And I was a, I was a doubter, uh, especially when he came up. I mean, the plate discipline you saw, he just had no actual plan at the plate it was all see ball hit ball and that does not work (laughs) when you're facing filthy stuff coming out of the bigs um but i can't and you can't you can't ignore the actual change the actual improvement that he did that you saw out of him at the plate at the beginning at the end of the year you know the one thing that surprised me about the projection i love that zimborski did the uh 80 20 uh, projections in zips this this year you know mm-hmm. I, I don't know i'm not like a big like letter of the letter of the, the the projection you know exact number guy what it, i like about them is it shows you basically how a guy could put numbers together to reach an outcome and so for for i think his his 80 percent uh uh 80 percentile war number was right around four you know, I think when we think about what O'Neill Cruz's tool-based pr- top projection looks like, it's a lot higher than that. So we got to find a way to get him to tease a lot more production out of more than just reducing the whiffs if we want that six-war guy, that five-war true star guy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I, I think uh, even going off of your whole uh, defensive positioning, makes it kind of interesting recently with, you know, what the Marlins are doing, just acquiring all second basemen and putting them wherever and just, you know, jazz chisel. They're just like, like, yeah, I'll play, I'll play center field, whatever. Cause one thing I've always argued when people bring up, they're like, yeah, but he's going to get a big contract, bigger contract as a shortstop. I'm like, nobody's paying him to play shortstop. There's no, no team that's, that's paying O'Neill a hundred plus million dollars is keeping him at shortstop fellas. And what the Yanks are doing at the position right now, they're going, yeah, they're going, they're going, they're going defense. You know, if you look at some of the contracts, you look at some of the contracts that they hand out. I mean, all outfielders are getting paid. Right fielders are getting paid. Left fielders are getting paid. I mean, I think he could be a very elite center fielder with his speed range and everything. But even that aside, I mean, his future is primary because when it's all said and done, his future is going to be primarily all in the bat anyways. Yeah. 
And that's where you want his elite raw skills to play. And he could be special. He could be one of the best players in the game easily with just his pure raw power, one-handed fling at a baseball and it goes 600 feet. (laughs) I mean, the only thing I'll say about O'Neill Cruz and the outfield and stuff like that is um, like two years ago, I watched him chase a ball down in the outfield in Altoona. Yeah, uh, and, and gun a dude down who already rounded third base. It's so mm. his skills will play anywhere. And what mm-hmm. makes him such a special player is the bat, like Noah said. So I don't care where he plays, the offense is what makes him special. Mm-hmm. So, and and you, uh, Cody, you're talking about kind of like that boom or bust kind of thing and all that stuff. And I had written about that the other day, um, with him that like. If he really wants to crack into the superstardom thing, it's going to be the this the quiet plays that he starts making. Mm-hmm. You know, the the taking a curveball the other way, or you know, because he you know stays back on it. You know, making the nice easy play at shore. You know, the the, the little stuff like that. And then that's what we really cutting out those mistakes. Yeah. Add in those ex- that extra win or whatever like that in his war and stuff like that. And I think if that, that doesn't come, which it, it may not, it may not, we don't know. We'll have to see. Then, then I think like a three to four war guys, probably what like his stealing is at that point, which I mean, if you look at what this team has had over the past couple of years, I mm. think it, it's just maybe not the full extent of his potential at that point. And I know, and I know, like, the other thing we've talked about, too, before and most recent when we were talking about uh, when that news came out about Trevor Story getting a surgery and they were just showing his arm strength by year and how it declined. And I said to y'all, I was like, I look at this and I'm like, I see, like, Trevor Story elite defense was, like, 84 mile an hour arm strength. And everyone's over here wowing that, oh, O'Neal Cruz throws at 100 miles an hour from shortstop. I'm like. Who cares? You don't he doesn't need, you need, don't need to. That. He doesn't, no, he doesn't need to. to. You need a he just needs 80 mile an hour bullets. That's all we need. Just on target. Stop bobbling. Most overrated to tool. Play. Most overrated tool in the Double game. Double hesitations and stuff like that. He cleans those out of his game. He doesn't need need to throw it that hard on there. But no. And Murph, you brought up maybe his seat like his I guess his floor being a three four war guy. On a very com- on a very com- on a competitive team, you need guys like that, and, and and this is and this is also coming into play where if the Pirates acquire guys who can surpass that three four, and you have Cruz be the middle of the road kind of guy three four war, and I guess that's not even middle of the road. That's <clears throat> close to all still really good level, right? So you need guys like that, and mm-hmm. that's not disparaging Cruz in any way if that's his floor. I'm perfectly fine with that. Just clean up the rest of the shit and you'll be okay. You just got to, I would say his floor, his floor is probably a tad under that just because if those strikeouts and, and that kind of stuff. And I, I, in that article, I talked about his whiff rate was over 50% on breaking balls and speed (laughs) pitches. So if that doesn't get cleaned up, he he does, he probably doesn't get to the three to four thing consistently. He may, Mm Like uh, every now and again, he may luck into it, season and stuff like that. But like consistent basis to hit that three to four, I'd probably say 
he's still gonna have to cut back on some of the stuff regardless yeah no that's mm-hmm. that's that's completely fair one thing um, you gotta you gotta remember about his 2022 year and what that might mean going forward he was a negative value player against left-handed pitchers negative value he's he got absolutely smoked against lefties and so when you're taking out 100 150 at bats a year where a guy is giving you not just replacement level but negative value it's hard to get up into that five weight five i mean there's no such thing Mm -hmm. as a as a effectively a five war platoon bat it just doesn't work like that yeah. yeah. And so he's, we got to, yeah. I mean, he's, he's striking out 53% of the time against lefties last year. More than half of his at bats of his plate appearances against lefties okay. ended in the K. 48 WRC plus. That's, man, we, that's, it's hard to build value over a 162 game season when you're doing nothing against lefties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But but he's tall and throws ninety five miles an hour across the it's diamond. Beautiful, I, hey, I'm not, I'm not sweating it. It's he's he's come on, Nick, wide. come on, stop bringing logic into this shit. <sighs> we didn't bring you on for that. <sighs> no, but um, you know, transitioning into our next topic, guys, we're gonna talk about uh the basic white girl drink of the the century, pumpkin spice MLB pipeline, um, <laughs> and their and their recent rankings of the top one hundred prospects. Uh, the Pirates having four, uh, to name them, Tamar Johnson at 26, Andy at 55, Henry Davis at 57, and Quinn Priester at 60. Um, first reaction to it, I was kind of surprised that Andy was in the middle. I ex- maybe expected him to be in the 40s, maybe 30s, um, not 55. I expected Burroughs to make the list, and he didn't. I was expecting Burroughs to make the list. I'm not saying he would have been high, but I would have put him around Quinn Priester's mark in the 60s, maybe 70s, but that's just me. Um, But I kind of wanted to get into the discussion of who missed the list and in terms of the Pirates and who you think should have made the list. In my opinion, there's two Mike Burroughs, as I had mentioned, and I think Solomito might deserve it. If, and he might earn it in the middle of the season or towards the end of the year. Um, maybe Bubba Chandler too, if you know, Murph will, will discuss Bubba <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but that's where I'm at. I think Burroughs should have made the list and maybe Solomito, but that's a big maybe. Um, Murph, wh- wh- where do you fall in that? So hey, I, everyone knows how big of a Quinn Priester guy I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really high on Quinn. I, I'll defend him pretty pretty much through anything i was surprised he was as high as he was to 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 be honest and not so much because like like my my opinion on him's changed and all that it's just i get how national media looks at prospects and like he doesn't exactly fit the kind of mold that you think with it you know doesn't put up the big strikeout numbers the fastball kind of struggled had to bring in the sinker to kind of salvage the fastball rating kind of thing um but as far as I, I think that being said, I, I, I think Burroughs is probably one of the first guys in the graduation start happening. And I say that because going back and watching, like I've gone back and watched a lot of his starts over the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of reminded me that 
I, I believe that Burroughs' upside is – he has the most upside of at any pitching prospect in the upper levels right now, even more so than Ortiz or Priester. More upside. That's that's, the, the, that's floor, the floor is probably a little bit lower. Like, I would say Priester's floor is a lot higher than Burroughs because, like, mm. Burroughs I still feel like has the potential to, to just end up as a reliever and not, not like a Cody reliever, like a regular reliever. <laughs> but I mean, Burroughs' fastball is better than Priester's fastball. The curveball, you can probably make a very good de- debate about it. I think, it, I think it really what it comes down to is Give Priester has a better pitch. third, the third pitch, you know, because the, the Burroughs made some progress when it comes to the changeup. But I'd probably still say Priester outbeats him because what you're probably thinking is Priester's third best pitch is his slider now. Which is average, maybe above average sometimes. So the slur, um, you got to get it right. Slur, cutter, whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> it works really good. It missed a lot of bats in the AFL. Yeah. So I think I think Burroughs would probably be the next guy. I guess at this point, um, I don't I don't think I'm quite ready to put Solomito up there. I think it would a lot of it's going to depend on on the velocity that he comes into the season with. Yeah. If we see a little more of a, a, a jump in it, I, I think he can make the case for it. I think I've written that somewhere that, that he's my guy, that, or mm-hmm. I've said it on something. I've said it or written it somewhere that I think he can jump into the conversation with a velocity bump. Um, but those those are the two right now that I can think of out there. Bub- Bubba would be close, I would imagine, too, but he's still kind of a a lot more of a rawer prospect then <laughs> there's your big bear big bear coming in with the rawr out of nowhere nick i see you chomping at the bit i see your facial expressions man i'm gonna let, <laughs> nola, explode. I'm gonna let nola jump in and then i'll leave you as the final to kind of like wrap plenty, up plenty of time. okay <laughs> so nola go yeah. ahead uh i guess in terms of surprises i mean it's one of those things as time goes on I, I, I guess I could say I become less and less surprised because I'll, I'll be champion like this. They should add this guy. They should add this guy when people graduate. But at the same time, like as like as I've said a handful of times now, that I believe we have a lot of interesting prospects, but I don't think we have a lot of excelling prospects right now. Like Tamar and Endy are probably the two that you're like, oh, these guys are going to be could be really special. And then there's other guys you're like, you know still got some things to work on they could you know you got certain aspects that you're worried about certain aspects you're hyped about um i i'll want to see where things are mid-season and at that point i might be like okay i think these guys should be on there but as of right now i'm not really that surprised i think they got kind of scared away with burrows because he didn't really carry the way he was firing through altoona up to indy and I even just looked and just with him, you got to understand that he pitched more innings in Altoona last year than he did in any single season prior to that. Then on top of that, he had another 40 plus innings in Indianapolis. Yeah. So he doubled his previous, you know, season high mm-hmm. last year alone. So there probably is some aspect of, you know, who's wearing down. Yeah. So a full, a I think full he was pitching. Season. He was pitching hurt a lot longer than I think was letting on to. Yeah, with it, yeah, which kind of 
mess with some. But yeah, in, in terms of the fastball, I mean, I'm pretty much I'm in agreement with Murph that I, I think Burroughs has the higher ceiling still right now. Um Ortiz does still have some pretty high reliever risk to me. But Priester Priester's a guy that's likely to make the majors as a starter, and it'll just be more mm-hmm. a question of if he's gonna be a back end guy or is he gonna reach his high side or is he gonna push his ceiling not sure but in terms of prospect rankings whether we have three guys four guys five six at this point i mean i i think they deserve what they get as of right now three four five six seven eight prospects (laughs) no um (laughs) no sorry um i I got switched to never mind uh we'll talk about that later um (laughs) Nick, you're chomping at the bit, man. I saw uh, you make some facial expressions when Murph discussed uh, Burroughs having the higher ceiling. So uh, let's jump into that, man. You got some beef with Murph or what? Not at all. (laughs) This is the curveball question again. You know, I I just don't know how to handle it. I see see this dude toss curveballs and it's sharp. It's got two plane break. It's not it's not a big humper. But it is hard to make a living in the bigs right now off curveballs. And he was in the games I saw on MLB, and I'm talking MLB TV. And so MILB TV. And so I am not like, you know, in in Murph's videos, quite frankly, he does the best. I mean, for real. I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke. That dude puts together awesome, 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 awesome clips. Um, I appreciate it. A lot of 93s towards the end of the Mm -hmm. season. You know, and, and he's got carry on his on his fastball, and he spots it at the top of the top of the zone. He does everything you want him to do with the two pitches playing off one another. But we were down below a strikeout per inning. I think we were down to twenty three percent K rate across twelve AAA starts. You mm-hmm. know, when you get into the upper minors, that's where you start to see that major league quality. Uh, you know, even a fringe, and so that was a red flag for me. You know, it's he's young. He, he's got the, the time to improve. And I like what that I saw from the changeup. I just get nervous about the curveballs anymore. I, I put it this way. I don't think Ronzi had any less of a deuce than Burroughs did coming out. And I think he went from like 30% curveballs in his first month, Ronzi's first month in the bigs, down to like 15% in his last month. That slider took over. Mitch, big curveball. Doesn't even throw it, barely even throws it anymore. It's all sliders. So that mm-hmm. worries me. That worries me. And it's, it's, if we're talking about snubs, we got a guy that ha- got a, has a 46% whiff rate on his breaking ball in big league action. Limited, limited, but big league action. And he's pumping it over 98 with the fastball with like 37 inches of run on it. Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz, man. I, 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 I mean, I, I know it's out of nowhere, but man, if you, if you put that package on a 20-year-old kid, junior in college, he's a top 10 pick. He's uh-huh. a top 10 pick in the draft. No doubt. Which, which is, which is no funny doubt. that you were talking about his age, signing late in the uh, uh, international free agency. But even so, what, what's he, 23 right now? 23, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like now he's a young kid, but he was considered old before, so he wasn't really recognized, but he's still yeah. – like on the same level age wise as Burroughs, Priester, and all those cats That's right now. How quick he rose through the ranks too. Oof, he jumped yeah. this out of the majors like that. What, 
what a, what a amazing, amazing like just success story for like the pirates in general with that <laughs> just mm-hmm. a, and like i went to the um you know the games in richmond and i saw ortiz pitch last season like early on in the season and i'm like okay well this fastball is a lot better than i remember last year while he was in nice. Bradenton. Nice. but it's like i mean he's, he's okay <laughs> and then by the end of the season he's blown blown away the yankees and in, in, in the majors like not told you if, if I had to pick someone from that Altoona pitching staff that I saw in person to to and make that jump, he probably wouldn't even been like the, my fourth pick. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying uh, baseball savant, savant, however you want to say. It. Savant. They they, <laughs> they they love them some Ortiz at least when it comes to the comps. He's got yeah. some great comps on there. Yes, Sandy Alcantara. Who's he have? Luis. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, Luis Castillo, Garrett Cole. Jordan Hicks and what's the uh and Hunter Green. Those are some uh that's Big some praise. Those are and, some and, and initially too, I think if you match up his the movement of his pitches to like a Spencer Strider, they're damn near similar. And and I know you brought up Spencer Strider when we talked about Ortiz, but mm-hmm. uh, and kind of talking towards the snub aspect, I think maybe they looked at Ortiz and thought, well, he has two pitches. His ceiling right now is just a bullpen guy or a piggybacker. So mm-hmm. maybe that was their thinking. But then again, it's it's the pumpkin spice of uh, ranking. So I don't know if <laughs> well, they that, went that deep. That, that kind of goes back to, you know, scouts and analysts. You know, that's one of those things where in their heads it's just two-pitch guy? Nope. They hate two-pitch guys. But when those two pitches that – like, I think Tim wrote about this, too, not too long ago. When those two pitches are both plus pitches, mm-hmm. like, yeah. shouldn't that change it a little bit? Like, I'm still mm-hmm. – like, like I've been, I've been you know, riding the, the bandwagon of, like, yeah, I love him going to AAA so he can work on that third pitch. It can't mm-hmm. hurt and stuff like that. But, like, I mean, Nola brings it up all the time, and mm-hmm. he just mentioned him. Spencer Strider mm-hmm. only needed two pitchers. Yeah, <laughs> which which so. this initially even just made me think back to you know the last podcast. You know when we when we were talking about someone like Shim, I mean, dude's already got above average control and two plus pitches. It, I'm I'm excited to see that kid. Think about yeah. this. Jeff brought up Savant, three percent less vertical movement than average, just 0.7 inches less vertical movement than average. An absolutely average horizontal break, horizontal movement with eight mile per hour separation on the 14 changeups Luis Ortiz threw last year. I don't think I, that, that seems like that pitch plays to me. I, I, I mean, I don't know what the club's thinking with, with, with what they're calling and putting down, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like let that guy throw a damn change up and see what happens. Let Please him keep throw it in first, right? Like yes, yeah, I yeah, that that would be definitely the thing to monitor from him in in Indy to start the year to see like if he starts forcing that into more situations that maybe wouldn't normally call for it to to show that he's actually working on it. I'm yeah. telling you, but Velasquez is this year's Juan Nicasio. He's going to shove in spring training. We're going to be like, we're going to be like, oh man, he's a starter, and then like four starts into the season, we're like, never mind. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Get Ortiz back up here. <laughs> telling you man ortiz is a cody starter prove me wrong prove me wrong motherfucker prove me wrong <laughs> um 
but yeah, I, the, there there have been there there are a couple snubs, but I'm more interested in the midseason mm. uh, rankings that come out just to see the development of uh, certain prospects and to see if they kind of go from a maybe to yeah okay yeah he he deserves it and you know we saw a big drop off with Nick Gonzalez man what happened to Nicky G what what happened to him and and I know we talked about him at nauseum last season and we talked about the Swiss cheese bat and him mm-hmm. not performing against uh upper level competition Nola does great with coming out with the articles on who they're facing so you can kind of gauge uh, where Nicky G is at in, t- in terms of his development but we saw a huge drop off with guys like Nick Gonzalez and Liver Pagaro and, you know, guys we were hyping up last year and the year previous. So is that a testament to the pirates having issues in development or is this just a instance of, okay, maybe they're not as good as we hyped them up to be. I'm more towards the latter. Well, I know Nick, so- Nick loves talking about Nick. <laughs> i love this dude he's like Nick he's so Nick fascinating Rose? to me man he is he's so fascinating i think why because i was a huge carter key boom fan and i was a uh and and i i just uh i i see a lot of comps that get thrown around nick gonzalez that are struggling to hit big league pitching and that swing is it's quick it's lightning quick and it's steep and when he makes contact, and he, when he makes that right center field contact, it's gorgeous. But you guys watch him probably even more than I did. I see a lot of top balls to the left side, to the pull side too. I just think he gets a little quick through the zone, and that's a very, very fine line when you're talking about the stuff that big league arms are shoving with. I don't know. I don't know what happens to him. Yeah. Yeah. Murph, you're the video guy. What, what, what are you seeing, man? I just – it's it's the breaking pitches that he he's struggling with and it looks like it's like you know it's one of those things to where like they gotten so far on his like natural talent and the quick hands and and you know he could turn around the fastball here there everywhere and stuff like that now all of a sudden you're in double a to where everyone can throw a curve for strikes or breaking pitches for strikes and and it just looks like sometimes he just has an issue slowing down just enough to make contact. And so that like mm-hmm. final adjustment, it just doesn't come sometimes, but like, I've seen him do it. Like I remember he had like a really bad week against, against the, I think it was the, like the Yankees double A team. Like he had a really, it was bad. It was really bad. Well, they they had the some arms on that team. Yeah. The, everyone there can throw a curveball for strike. And it it was it was just a bad it was a bad week for Nick. The following week, I can't remember who they played, but he he made some sort of adjustment, and he was going the other way with them. He was putting them in play. He was he slowed down his hand. like it it was just perfect. It was perfect. I wrote wrote a whole article about the adjustments that he made that following week, and and then it it was just kind of gone. So so really, it's it's there. It's there. It's just a matter of of consistently doing it at this point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, that's one of those like when you talk about like the break of pitches coupled with the steep swing. Just thinking about it from like a you know like a, I guess a physics standpoint. If he's coming up and the ball is coming down, if he ain't on the right plane, he's just gonna mm-hmm. miss it. He's gonna miss it. Yeah. Or he's gonna top it, and that's just something he's either gonna have to better uh swing decisions 
recognizing pitch batters, uh, during a bat adjustments, changing the plane of his swing, like it's something that's going to make it the contact more consistent. Yeah, it's odd. To, it's odd to, to talk about a dude that doesn't have a big honking leg kick or super super thick back wrap, bat wrap of having too much effort in his swing. But it just it it seems to me like when he's going when he's going good or when he, when he's struggling, he's swinging really fucking hard. Like he's, oh, yeah. he's, he, yeah. he's he's fucking and and maybe that's trying to muscle up for power. He's a small dude, you know. He could generate bat speed, but there's still got to be mass behind that. F force equals mass times acceleration, right? And so you know, oh, small dudes yo, with man. big. <laughs> with I barely big finished speed. high school, man. You're gonna have to slow down with that. <laughs> he, when he slows down, though, when he's not given, when he's not, you know, if, if you could think about it, like you know, in the pitching context, you know, max effort dudes are gonna struggle with command. And he just he just swings and misses a lot. He just swings through a lot mm-hmm. of pitches when he's really really muscling up like that. I think he's I, I I could definitely see him being. Boy, I don't even know what kind of comp I want to throw, but like that 100 to 110 WRC plus guy that we're looking like 130 150 ISO, um, but he's getting up in the 280 with like 350 OBP. I think that's a player. I yeah. think he could be that dude. Um, but the the comp the Keston Heroes that scares the shit out of me, man. That's like I love that dude, and that dude could rake in the minors. I guess the Pirates really, for sure. Oh, <laughs> and I, I just it's it scares me. I don't know. He became very. I, I still, I still think like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still think he's he's like on pace to be like a very much just like your average everyday second baseman and. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe again, that's another thing. Like, maybe you don't want to hear that from a top 10 pick. Maybe, maybe that's, yeah. that's going to, you know, heighten unrealistic expectations thing for him. But like, I mean, if you could get a guy who can get, stay in your lineup every day, like, I, I, I'm not going to argue too much about that. And then that the ceiling's always there for him to like, oh, well, okay, well, this is how I hit a curveball. And then mm-hmm. he just starts hitting them. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he takes off and he's a, 15 to 20 home run guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. He he would basically become a, I don't know how to necessarily say it, uh, like Adam Frazier's good season, a more deserving of that lot batting line where Adam <laughs> Frazier's was like flaring it just out of reach of people's gloves. <laughs> the Jeff Locke of hitters. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 yes. Holy shit. What a name drop. I haven't thought about Jeff Locke in a minute, man. <laughs> um, and Murph, you mentioned, you know, disappointment in a first round or a top 10 pick. And that kind of leads us into our next topic dealing with, you know, dun, dun, dun. yeah, we need, we, we need a soundboard, man. I need to get, I need to invest in one of them. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. I'm going to play the <laughs> raw and everything in that shit, but um, you know, it, it leads us into the anticipation of this coming season in the minor leagues and even in the major leagues. And, you know, I kind of wanted to lead off with uh, you and Nola Murph with the discussion of Travis Swaggerty and the anticipation of this season or the anxieties you're feeling about him because everyone seems to be down on T-Swags. And Nola, you've brought this up. You've defended him ad nauseum on Twitter, man. So yeah. Let's let's discuss this anticipation and and things surrounding Travis Swaggerty because again the outfield is stacked with a yeah lot of and, 
And I mean, this might be one of those instances where it makes it sound like I'm this huge Travis Swaggerty table pounder, like he's going to be an all-star. And it's like, that, that's not what I'm saying, but I just still see him as a potential, a potential everyday center fielder. And I think he even still has a skill set right now that he could uh, step in right now. I, um, it just, well, he plays great defense. He has what Nick says is the most overrated tool, a good arm. Um, <laughs> I'm on your side here, bro. I'm, on your side. I'm gonna be supporting this one, okay? I know. I'm about to have a fight in this bitch. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just think back to, you know, he had he kind of started slow in 2019 in Bradenton, but you know, he really turned it on in the second half after the all-star game. I mean, he had a 141 WRC plus an 805 OPS. And then you figure after he had that hot second half, then we had the COVID season, then 2021 came. And I mean, the stat line didn't, isn't going to glare out because there was only 12 games, but he was hitting the shit out of the ball. He was hitting it really hard. He had a lot of loud outs, Unlucky. but then the shoulder, yeah, then the shoulder injury happens. So you're talking, the kid had 12 games in two plus years. So then, you know, you fast forward. Yeah. And then you fast 48 forward to 20, 48. Yeah. 48 12, yeah. 12 games. And yeah, then you fast forward to 2022, and it's like he's just coming off a pretty major shoulder surgery and hasn't really seen live pitching in a very long time. So it took him a little while to get healthy. Then he had the concussion, but once he came back from the concussion, I think he played two games that week. And then where my numbers take off is that following series, uh, May 17th through the end of the season. And I'm actually going to, my comparison is to G1 Bay who everyone's in love with now. And they actually want him to be the starting center fielder. And I'm like, okay, let's see what G1 Bay's numbers are from May 17th and on. And it's Travis Swaggerty, 114 WRC plus. G1 Bay, 113 WRC plus. Travis Swaggerty, 799 OPS. G1 Bay, 796 OPS. I mean, the, damn near similar. G1 Bay had 20 steals and 25 attempts. Swaggerty had 17 steals and 22 attempts. I mean, G1 Bay strikes out less, Swaggerty walks more. And it's just – but he's considered old and basically – I don't know necessarily want to say washed up, but he's 25. He's only four months older than Gorski, and people are all over Gorski now. Right. Yep. And, yeah, I, I think Gorski right now is the only outfielder that can truly – you could truly say is defensively – comparable to Swaggerty in center field. I mean, uh-huh. Cal Mitchell probably shouldn't be in the outfield. Mm. And Jigba's not playing center field. Nope. Uh, I mean, Connor Scott, at, at first, I mean, he's fast, but I saw him make a couple throws, and I was like, ugh. And then... Uh, oh, Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Matt Fraser is... He's a, he's a pretty good center fielder. Not very good at going back on balls. He dropped off the face of the earth, too. Yeah, hitting-wise, yeah. That was rough. So, I'm still very pro-swaggerty and think he can be a very good player. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Murph, I, I know uh, you stole Nola's work in your article. <laughs> yes. But, yes. Uh, in my defense, Nola told me to. You want to contribute? <laughs> yeah, I did. You want to contribute uh-huh. to the swaggerty discussion here? Because I know you said his floor was like a fourth outfielder, right? I always, I always kind of figured that he he could settle in as a bit. I think, I think like it's crazy we're we're still talking about this because this is like one of the first subjects we took when you and I started po- podcasting together. Like, like I was a big swaggerty guy. Swaggerty like I still, Keller, man, that's what we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still, I still am. I, I still like him. And you think about it now too. You know, they're gonna they want to protect McCutcheon in in the outfield and stuff like that. You can throw McCutcheon out there, and you can have Swaggerty's like a late game replacement kind of thing, late game replacement for Reynolds, or if if you want to, you know, give him some rest or certain situations and stuff like that. I mean, the the defense plays. I mean, is it enough for him to to win a job over some other people? I guess we'll see. But like, you you can't like he had other factors too going into the season. As to like, it perfectly explains his slow start. You know, he had the shoulder injury, concussion, like Nola said. Like so, out and then after that, once he's healthy, I mean, he was as good as a hitter as the guy that everyone kind of fell for later in the season. So, well, that's what. Why not? Why not Swaggerty? I know there's a lot of lefties there. They Mm kind of evened it out a little bit with, with some of the other guys, but I mean. A lot of these names that you're throwing out here that might make the team, like they they're not great defensively. Like you, mm-hmm. they're talking about McCutcheon primarily as a DH, and I mean he had his best year analytically defensively last year since I don't know, like more towards his pit, early Pittsburgh days. Mm-hmm. And but it's I mean it still wasn't great. So you're, you're still going to want to protect him. You know, Nola mentioned Cal Mitchell, who probably shouldn't be playing in the. <laughs> Outfield, either not center. <laughs> yeah, definitely not center. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I still think there's there's a place for him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, from there, it's pretty much, I guess, conspiracy theories of why they utilize them the way they did, and this and that. So, you brought up a good point. You know, dealing going in and out of the hospital with family issues and things like that. That probably was the issue, right? I mean, it, it's I, the most. I feel like it might have been. Just because, I mean, you you get to um, what they're going through. You've got your doctors in Indianapolis, as I said, probably a couple podcasts now. I've said it. It's just he seems like a very family-oriented individual, yeah. and I'm sure he wanted to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's just – part of me also felt like the way that they were just churning through outfielders, churning through utility players, that they also saw, like, we want him to be playing every single day getting at bats every single day. Whereas, you know, these guys that they're bringing up to the majors was like, all right, you're going to play two days and sit, then you're going to pitch hit and sit, and then you're going to play a day and then sit. Like they were just like cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, do you want to chime in with uh, the swaggery talk and then give us your anticipation or expectations or things you're looking forward to uh, this upcoming minor league and major league season? Sure. I'm, I, I, I have a, had a hard time giving up on Travis Swaggerty. I was a booster when they took him a little bit over his heel, over his skis in the draft. I thought that, you know, he had the tool package if they could tame that swing to really get after it. 
I mean, he still projects to be about a 90 WRC plus bat. I, I mean, that, that's not, that's, that's, it, it's the hardest thing in the world to project defense in the bigs. And so I get real, real nervous about assuming he's going to be a plus 10, plus 15 defender in center. But if he is, he doesn't have to be an average bat to be a two R player, you know, and that's a, mm-hmm. this club needs to stack up average big leaguers. If they're going to get into mm-hmm. that 80, 85 win range yep. and then be within striking distance of adding some impact talent. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over it yet. I think it's a long shot, Jeff, but I'm not over him yet. Um, the dude that I am most excited that I think doesn't get the, the, what do I want to call it? Uh, the, 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 the difference between discussion and excitement is Kanan. I mean, that dude, he had a really, really, really badly timed injury last mm-hmm. year. And now he's just no, you don't even hear him. You don't even, you don't even hear about him in the mix. I think he needs true. to sw- I think he needs some swing work. He got to get the ball off the ground a lot as he pushes a lot of stuff the opposite field. But that guy swings the bat. I mean, he swings mean. Um, and if you're talking about a dude that I could see having the plate discipline and the contact quality to really show up and be like, what? Where the? Where did this dude come from? Ooh, don't sleep on him. Yeah. He, yeah, he's like he's like Cabrian Hayes in a lot of ways. Where he hits the ball hard, yes. but it never comes off the ground. Crazy, yeah. never. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's what yeah. I remember watching a game where he was playing in Altoona, where he connected on one, and I was like, "Dear God, <laughs> I felt bad for the baseball." And that's why, I like to him, I I not I don't know if comp's the right word, but I always he always brings to mind Colin Moran. It was like just a, a big dude that just had some raw power if he would just rip it and pull a ball. But, you know, there's a lot of, like Nick said, you know, oppo hits. But, man, if he could just get around and connect, he would hit stupid home runs. Oof. Yes. Yeah. He's built like a linebacker. I don't see how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Nola, I know, I know you can't go a podcast without mentioning uh, the truther. So go ahead and give out your uh, anticipation or player things of that sort because we know who it's going to be. Oh, my, my Sean Sullivan. Yeah, Sean Sullivan. Go ahead and talk about Sean him. Sean Sullivan. <laughs> that he's going to dominate in Altoona this year. Yeah, yeah. He's he's going to come out pumping ninety four ninety five, dotting that fastball. And people ain't going to know what to do. Yeah. So- and plus, he's out of the living hell that is Greensboro for pitching. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's his numbers in Greensboro were. I don't think anyone suffered in there as bad as he did. No, maybe Jared Jones. Ooh, Jared Jones was worse on the road. Was he really? Yeah, I didn't he, look at his. Split. His ERA was higher on the road. Was it okay? If he could, if he Jared Jones home runs at home. If Jared Jones could find any kind of semblance of command, I think he could be dirty. He's a yeah. guy easily if he can find a little bit of command. He's yeah. he still had some of the best raw stuff in the in the system, like hands down. Oh, yeah. That fastball is so explosive. That, and that, that slider, even that without slider is dirty. Like, yeah. That fastball slider, that's just if he can hit his spot. So now, um, I'm, I'm not going to mention a certain player with my anticipations. It's more of a... a Triolo? 
<laughs> I always mess with Jared Triolo, man. That dude, that dude, I'm telling you, he, he could make a gold glove caliber third baseman and a gold glove caliber shortstop easily. The dude's defense plays. I love his defense. And offensively, he's not the greatest, but the dude can contribute. He's at least 100 WRC plus, I'd say, which is fine. If he can produce defensively and he's a one 100 WRC plus, I'm perfectly fine with him. I think Triolo's defense is that damn good. Honestly, and if Cabrian Hayes wasn't here, we'd be talking about him as the future third baseman of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm sorry. I mean, I he, he, he's the triple-A version of Key right now. He really is. Yeah. He, and what do we talk about with Key? His offense. And what are we talking about? Yeah. Okay. Steamer 99 WRC plus projection this year as a big leaguer. Jerry yeah. Triolo. You he's got, he, he's got he some of the best plate discipline, too. He walks like a mother. It's good, Brian, fellas. I mean, that, you know, I don't know if I don't know if I see unless he can lift, start lifting the ball. I don't know if I see him as a as an average big league hitter at this point. No, but I think the contract still. Uh, oh yeah, is justified. Yeah, contract still. Absolutely. Even yeah, if absolutely, I, I want to see a little more hitting, but like he's not far off from where. Like, okay, I'm I'm good with him right here, and with that contract, absolutely. regardless. If they protect him in the lineup, which I think they're starting to do now with their acquisitions, I think he'll be just fine. He'll be just fine. Um, but, you know, my anticipation I want to get into is it deals with the organization-wide thing. And it, it, it maybe it stems from my conversation with Kyron Madison and the discussion of, uh, you know, stealing bases and being more aggressive on the base paths. Um, it seems to me that the Pirates have acquired a shit ton of athletic kids who could run their asses off play defense very well and if you look at the pirate system there isn't a shit ton of power there is not a ton of power in the system maybe in the lower levels maybe they'll come up and start surprising some people but like mason martin right now is like your biggest power threat rate in in the minors anyways and we know his issues so I'm really looking forward to see how the Pirates uh, utilize that with Kyron being that strictly his only job throughout the minor league system, implementing uh, his aggressive mindset towards base stealing. I mean, we saw with Altoona, they broke the franchise record with bases stolen and the defense seemed to be coming along in the outfield. So um, that's what I'm most looking forward to, you know, organization wide is to see how these kids can transfer the knowledge that they've received in the minors and not be afraid to do it in the majors. Guys like G1 Bay, who we talked about, who is faster than a lightning bolt, especially as a lefty coming out of the box. I mean, the guy hits a routine ground ball. It's pretty safe to say that G1 Bay has more than half a shot to be safe. Mm -hmm. And you need base runners, man, especially when you don't have power. So how can you be aggressive? How can you turn that single into a double? How can you round the bases and score runs, which is the ultimate goal of the game? So that's what I'm looking forward to the most out of the Pirates this season and the season's continuing if they are true to their word and they start spending money. That's where I'm at with it. Um, and also, I mean, the- Jared Triolo is the GOAT. I mean, the, the stealing bags is an interesting point. I mean, because even just like the guys in Indianapolis, I mean, you had Mason Martin steal 12 bags. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they had yeah. Cal Mitchell, Bly Majis were stealing bags. Guys that you're Everyone like, no, they're, running. They're, yeah, you're, they're not even going to take off, but they were swiping bags. Yeah. 
Yeah. And didn't Henry Davis swipe some bags too? I think so, yeah. Didn't and <laughs> that guy's kind of clunky looking. So <laughs> he's, a, he's a tank. Giga Chad. Yeah. That guy is, that guy is just stacked. Nine. Yeah, <laughs> nine stolen bases. I mean, come on. Uh, nine, yeah. Nine stolen bases. That's an interesting aspect to the Pirates. And, you know, if they're utilizing what they have to the best of their ability, I'm. I'm not mad at the development route that they're trying to take here in terms of that. Anyways. So that's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at with the last segment of the podcast and boys, do we have anything else to add? Murph, do you have some uh, knowledge to give to these people? Do we have any Murph rants? Um, stay in school. Always. <laughs> Always. But, but real quickly, the, I won't even like, one like one more thing I'm really looking forward to next year yeah. is that Greensboro rotation. I am okay. so excited to see that Greensboro rotation pitch or not. Well, you you won't you won't that's see like, it. Yeah, I'll pick. So their first ten games can all be televised. So if I remember correctly, Hidden Valley and Jersey Shore both have streams. I know Jersey, so and they're on the road. They're on the road there to start the season. So we'll get the first you nine games to, on stream. Nine games, okay. I'll say I think you might have to re-say that because I think you cut out a second. Yeah, nine. Yeah, nine games total. Okay. They start with three in Hidden Valley, or I say uh, Hudson Valley. I don't know Hidden Valley Ranch. <laughs> I had a salad for dinner. Bob <laughs> nutting. Bob nutting. He's on your brain. Man, he's getting ready for that pierogi race. <laughs> um, playing in the Hudson Valley. Seven Springs uh, definitely has, has a feed, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Greensboro is interesting to look at. I mean, especially, you know, we talked about Bubba Chandler a lot recently, and we're going to see hopefully him transition to be more of a pitcher because, yeah, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to the videos you're going to send us, Murph, on his mm-hmm. swing just to mm-hmm. see how bad it is. And, and Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time the last two days watching Bubba Chandler hitting videos. Oof. <laughs> and maybe, so I, if, if there's a plate appearance on stream, I now have it recorded. So I, I guess be on the lookout. I'll have those posted on YouTube at some point eventually. I don't know how I'm going to use it yet, but I have it. I have it now. So what you're saying is I should block, I should block your YouTube so I don't see it. I passed. Nice. Uh, I got more subscribers right than now. followers now. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, it's the end of the show, and we got to come up with a punishment for Murph there, Nola. Uh, we, we have some doozies to choose from. Um, but the most reasonable one, I guess, would say was to change his Twitter profile picture. It's the most doable. Anyways, and, and you get to pick the picture. So, uh, Murph, we might be asking you to send some embarrassing childhood photos. Maybe if you, like, naked in a bathtub or something. Well, well, we'll cut out the private parts, of course, but <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I burned all those already. So I want to see like a 13 year old braces picture. That's what, that's yes. the good stuff. <laughs> oh, there you go. I probably have, uh, by the time I hit 13, you could not get a picture of me. That was, that was impossible. Wait, do, do you, do you have any old Cholo photos? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Yes. I, I got one. I, I very much it very much kicks into cholo mode when I had just the mustache. 
I think we found our winner. Just had, did you have just the one I've, button up top in the flannel? I will definitely say that I have dressed like that before. Yes. <laughs> that, that's all right. I have definitely embraced that, that side of me before. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any pictures of that floating around anywhere. But I, I, I do know there there was a time frame where that was that a thing. <laughs> That's our winner right there. Uh, Nola, you get to pick his profile picture for a week. Um, that's what you get for being a loser, Murph. It's okay. We, we're all a loser at some point. Even though he's surpassed me now. <laughs> yes. yes. Don't matter. It don't situation. matter. It don't matter. <laughs> But no, guys, that, that's going to do it for this episode of Two and a Half Gringos. As always, we appreciate you listening. Um, and as always, we're going to leave you with our socials so you can follow us. Um, I'll start off with mine. Follow me on Twitter at 2HG013. Um, you can follow my work on Pittsburgh Baseball Now at pittsburghbaseballnow.com. Um, recently wrote an article on Austin Hedges um, and wondering if his defensive metrics outweigh his god-awful offensive woes um I, maybe if it deals with you know him, him and the pitching staff and dealing with the pitching staff i think he's a good stop gap if anything i'm, I'm fine with it i mean you're not going to get a whole lot better with roberto perez but that's for another day another podcast murph go ahead man give out your socials and any projects you got going on as always you can follow me on twitter at double underscore murphy 88 um of course you can follow my work on uh, Pirates Prospects. Got a couple things working on right now. I did something on Swaggerty. I think there's a chance that this that's out tomorrow in the morning. I have a couple things saved. I don't know what Tim. I, I don't know which one Tim goes with. So <laughs> I will, there'll be a Swaggerty one out at some point. I have another one on Chase Bowen as well too that's saved. So um, I guess he's another guy that we could have brought up. But yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel so I can keep facing myself away from Nola and his and his follower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm at like two, we're I'm at like 210 subscribers. We're right at 100,000 views. I have something scheduled 10 o'clock in the morning every morning for the next week. So there'll be plenty of stuff coming. Awesome, Nick. Go ahead, man. Give out your socials and uh, NMR four one two NMR on Part Prospects blog. They don't want to hear any of my bullshit though. So uh just go follow he, all these guys. Nick, they know what Nick jumped about. to our side finally for, they, for, for the first time. He was part of this. This, is, the, this is debut. Me, me Nola, that was that was awesome. I really enjoyed doing that. That was fun, yeah. Guys. That that was fun. Yeah, that's what, yeah, you, you made your P2 debut and now you're making your podcast debut. Yeah, blowing up. Look at you on the way up. <laughs> he's, he's probably gonna pass me in followers. <laughs> i hope not <laughs> well well you know we, we got we got to give your follow out nola so hopefully we can surpass murph i'm, I'm on your oh, train, okay man. i'm on your train. well well that and that's what uh at nola jeffy n-o-l-a-j-e-f-f-y although you know i think a certain someone's got burners that come after me to tell me i'm a nobody yeah 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 those journalists man those journalists are coming at us. They got they got them sources, bruh. They got them sources. Um, but yeah, guys, we like always appreciate you listening. Please, please, please leave a review. Subscribe to the podcast. Get it out to as many people as possible so we can grow this thing. Uh, it's just 
three guys usually enjoying talking about baseball. Oh, and a cat just walks by on Nick's camera. So follow the cat <laughs> too. We'll start an Instagram and Twitter account. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, guys, can we get this right since we have a guest? Can Yay. we? And three, two, one. Let's go. go. Bucks. But you bastards are let's too go bucks. <laughs>